Hello, and welcome to the Christian Life Austin Sunday morning message. Today's sermon is Warrior Part 4 by Lead Pastor Rex Johnson. We're talking about the Warrior Part 4 today. And uh, let me say this. We're, uh, we're concluding this series today. God is speaking to men to be everything that he created them to be. I believe that. I'm curious. Do we have any warriors in the house? That's kind of good. Do we have any princes warriors in the house? I don't know if I wouldn't want our women to go to war for us. I'm curious, warrior princess, when you think about your warrior, your husband, or your husband-to-be, I'm curious, how many of you really get excited about having a warrior who's like passive and aimless and no direction and kind of boring like a couch potato? Does that light your fire? Do you want to kiss just all day long on that? Paul don't even brush his teeth. Ladies, I'm curious, warrior princesses, how many of you would say that you love it when your warrior... Is full of passion. He has godly convictions. He has direction and he has focus in his life. Maybe even a little bit, just a little bit, dangerous. Indiana Joneses. Jack Bauer. <laughs> Can I hear you say yes? I believe God is going to continue, and I really believe this, to stir up the passion men That he has within you. Today I speak on the passionate warrior. I may get a little passionate about it today. But from the beginning we discovered that every warrior, every man is created with a cause to fight for. And men you know as well as I do. When you have that cause you can feel it. You sense that God created you to conquer. You move forward to overcome. You come alive when you realize you're fighting for something that's beyond you and bigger than you are. The problem is the spiritual enemy of our soul wants to distract you from your cause and lead you away from your post so you won't do everything God desires you to do. So today I'm going to talk about some swinging of the pendulum because the pendulum has a way of swinging back and forth in our life. And I want to talk to you about the pendulum, how it may swing in your life from what you should be to what you sometimes become. You need to write this down. This is refrigerator messages right here. Put this on your refrigerator for at least a week. The warrior who abandons his cause, becomes passive. Say, becomes passive. God created man and God created woman. Who did God create first, man or woman? Well, many of you know the answer. He created man. Now, why did he create man first? I think because he didn't want any advice. And I thought that was pretty funny. Okay, warriors, hush. I thought that was pretty funny until I went home and Patty, my wife, said, no, no. Actually, he looked at man and said, I can do a whole lot better than that. Whatever. (laughs) Patty got me. Whatever his reason was, God created man first and then woman. And you know the story in the garden. God said, hey, guys, I want you to have fun. I want you to be happy. I want you to get giggly. Have kids, multiply, subdue, and rule. But there's this one tree. Don't eat from that tree. It's that tree right over there. Everything else, have fun, have a party, have a big buffet. 
but don't eat from that one tree. The rest of the story is like this. There was a serpent named Lucifer, the evil one, in the form of a snake that came up and tempted them to eat the forbidden fruit. And who was the first to give in? It was the woman. All right? Her first sin, then, we could say, was rebellion. But her first, but if her first sin was rebellion, what was Adam's first sin? And we don't know for sure, but in my opinion, I could say that Adam's first sin was the sin of passivity. He became a passive man. You see, when, when Eve actually ate of the fruit, where was Adam at the time? If you read Genesis 3 and 6, the Bible said Eve gave some to Adam. The Bible says in the very last part of that, of that, of that verse, he was with her and he ate it. So what happened? Well, it was something like this. A serpent came up and said, hey, this looks good. It's shiny. It tastes good. You will not surely die. Do you want some? And she said, okay. And Adam, what was he doing? Well, he was like, oh, zippity-doo-dah, zippity-day. He's looking around. He's got his back turned to it. And bottom line, bottom line, Adam did not have a response. He was standing right there, but he didn't have a response. He didn't say, no, no, Eve, God told us not to eat of this fruit of this tree. He didn't say, no, 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 let's stop. She rebelled. He committed the sin of passivity. One of the, one of the things that I think that we as men warriors, warriors of the kingdom of God, we cannot allow ourselves to become passive in this fight against the evil of this world. We must remain constant in our effort to do the right thing that God has called us to do. Psalm 78 and 9 tells about a certain tribe of Israel, the tribe of Ephraim. The Bible said in 78 and 9, the warriors of Ephraim, though fully armed, though fully armed and carrying bows, turned their backs and fled when the day of battle came. There's a lot of warriors that have that creed today. When the day of battle comes, they just turn their back and they flee. Let me tell you something, dads. Let me tell you something, big brothers. Your, your children, your, your, the people that you're influencing need your influence. They need your discipline. They need you to stand up for them, and you don't need to turn your back. Your family, dad, needs your direction. They need your leadership, but many times dads have other plans. And then there's something going on perhaps at the business, and it's ungodly, and you should stand up for it. And you don't want to get involved because it might get too bloody, and you don't want to cause problems. There's a family that's perhaps sinking financially, and you, Dad, have the power, the ability to pull your family out of that financial problem, but you want this new toy, this new boat, this new forerunner, this new thing. You've got ideas that you want in your life, and so you keep your back turned. Some guys that are sitting here today say, Pastor, you know what? That's, that, that's not me. You know, I'm not a passive guy, and you've got to understand. And, and the truth is, at one time, you may not have been. And I'm not saying everybody in this room is passive, but have you ever walked into a dark room, just walked into a dark, dark room? You can't see, you can't hardly breathe. It's so dark because I have a little claustrophobia. I really can't breathe when I walk into a dark room. But you stay there long enough. You start seeing shapes. You start seeing things in the room because your eyes adjust to the darkness. And that's the way it is with life. It's not something that attacks us vehemently and strongly and quickly. But it's, this, it's just this resolve that hell tries to break and hell tries to come against us. And he tries to wear out the saints. And if you don't watch it, you can go from passion to passive and not even realize that you've lost hold on the thing that God has called you to be. 
It's hard for me to admit this, but there was times when my children were growing up, and I love my girls all being involved, and my sons-in-laws all being involved in the work of God. But there were times when I would leave church here and go home, and, and, and I, I just didn't want to be bothered because I had been battling all day, and I'd been counseling, and I'd been working with stuff, and it'd been a long 10 or 11-hour day at the office. And I, I promise you, folks, it, it, it's not easy sometimes. But I would go home, and my kids would want my attention. They would crave my attention. And I would many times, I just, I, I really became passive toward them. And I've apologized to them. And I've said, look, girls, I slipped into that passivity role sometimes in my own life. And I want to apologize. And then there were times when I needed to study like a Tuesday night. And I hadn't got my study in on Monday like I should have. And on Tuesday like I should have. And so Tuesday night was like cramming for a final for Wednesday. And my kids desired me. And I said, I don't want to be bothered. I don't, I don't need to be bothered. And I thank God that my kids understood that there was a cause that I was trying to do, but I really, I really apologized to them because I became passive. And if a pastor can become passive and lose his passion for his family, we all can slip into that rut if we don't watch ourselves. Amen. Somebody help me preach right now. Amen. You need to become more of who God wants you to be and not what's happening in this world with everybody around you. Would you answer honestly, man, how many of you would say that in some significant area of your life, You have grown passive when God wants you to be passionate. Sir, I pray for you today that God will stir a divine passion that would live in you forever. The pendulum for most of us, it swings this way, passion to passive, passion to passive. I want to ask you, I just want to ask you, how's your worship? Is it it passionate? Come on, man, how's your worship? The Bible said, I wish that men everywhere would lift up holy hands without wrath or doubting. You know what God wants? God wants men to lead the worship in our families. God wants men to say, I'm going to praise the Lord. And daddy, when they see you praising God, their kids are going to praise God. When they see you giving in an offering, they're going to want to be a giver. When they see you committed to a cause of church, they're going to be committed themselves. Dad, I promise you, you can't outdo what God has done in your life. You never can pay him back. Why don't we turn our passive to passion and start saying, I'm going to fix some areas in my life. I'm going to love my family with more of a passion. I'm going to love my wife with more of a passion. I'm going to love the house of God with more of a passion. I'm going to love God with more of a passion in my life. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice to that right now. Sometimes the pendulum swings to passivity, and then sometimes the warrior who abandons his cause can also become abusive. Now, let me just talk just a little bit, and then I promise I'll get positive. Let me talk a little bit. In the Old Testament, there was a king named Saul that stood head and shoulders above every man in the kingdom. And God had a call for his life, and God had had a thing that he wanted Saul to do, and And so he said, Saul, I've anointed you king. I've anointed you king, and I want you to conquer, and I want you to bring Israel to a great dimension of faith with me. And Saul did for a while, but then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there was a giant. There's always going to be a giant, folks. You hear me? There's always going to be a giant that's going to come after you. And Saul had a bunch of men in one side of of the battle, and on the other side was the Philistines, and there was a taller giant than Saul was. Saul perhaps was about seven feet tall. Goliath was about nine plus. And so Goliath said, send me a man. And all of a sudden, here comes a kid from the backwoods that's been watching sheep, and he's got, a, he's got a cart full of corn and cheese and bread. And he hears this giant calling, and he says, who is that to find the armies of the living God? 
and he says, I, 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 I don't want him to do that. He never saw him as a giant. David never saw Goliath as a big man. He saw him as a man out of covenant with the God that he was in covenant with. And so David goes and picks him up five little smooth stones, goes out and just takes care of him, just takes one, puts four more in his pouch and said, if he's got some brothers, I'll handle them later. Oh, I love David. And so the women started singing songs of warrior princes that started singing, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands and, and David became the hero. And all of a sudden, Saul lost his purpose for the kingdom of God. And he became extremely jealous of David and he became abusive. And there's a scripture that I want to put on the screen that says in Samuel 19 and 15, Then Saul sent men back to see David and told them, Bring him to me in his bed so that I might kill him and destroy him. Can you imagine a man that's got a crown on his head, that's been anointed king, that's got a call of God, was the most humble man in all the kingdom, all of a sudden gets so out of his element of doing what God wanted him to do that he wanted to kill somebody that was in step with God. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a lot of people that sit here today that said the life that I'm now living is far from the life that I want. And it makes some people angry, and they get angry. Let me talk about anger. They get angry, and since you don't take responsibility for it, you just lash out at whoever's close by. In fact, you lash out sometimes at the people that's closest to you that you love the most. And many men look at women that they're married to and said, if you didn't hold me back, I could be something great, you know. If you didn't hold me back, I could be playing ball. I could be in the majors. Well, I think talent takes you to the majors, not a good wife or a bad wife. Amen. And if you wouldn't spend all that money, we'd be financially secure. <laughs> well, you might have a point there, buddy. Amen. But she's bitten so many bargains, you're going broke with all those bargains. And if you wasn't nagging me all the time, I could be happy. And you're always demanding this. You're always demanding that. Before you know it, the warrior's lashing out with words of hatred and criticism and manipulation and control and abuse. And he takes it hard on his kids and his temper just overtakes him. And sometimes we are wrongly passive and other times we are wrongly abusive, almost violently so. But God's got something greater than passivity. He's got something greater than abusivism. There's something about a godly man, guys. Listen to me now. Who's on target, who's doing what he's created to do. There's something inside of him that's alive, and you can see it in his eyes. You can hear it in his voice. You can see it in his step, and it's attractive, and it's courageous, and it's dangerous, and it's purposeful, and he is pleasing God with his life because he's full of passion. Just like Jesus was full of passion, the greatest warrior who ever lived was Jesus Christ. And let me say, let me say this. Go ahead and clap for Jesus today. That's all right. Let me say this. One time when he came to the temple, he saw what was going on, and it wasn't pleasing to God. And he was consumed with passion. And these people were basically had turned the temple into a flea market, and they were cheating the people because they were robbing from people. They were saying, that lamb is not pure. It's not spotless, so it's got to go in this cage. And they would sell them a lamb. And so they made money on that lamb. And then the next customer that came, their lamb wasn't good. They put that lamb in the pen and sold them the, the people before's lamb. And so they were making money, and Jesus saw it. Now, I'm going to put this in Rex Johnson's context. I'm going to put this in the Johnson, John, Johnson uh, 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 rendition. Here's what, here's what happened in John 2 and 16. He said, how dare you? How dare you? He took a whip. He said, you're going to see a warrior in me. You're not going to do this on my watch. You will not do this when I'm around. How dare you turn my father's house into this kind of market? 
And the Bible said his disciples, when they saw it, remembered the scripture that said, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Oh, can I tell you something, guys? One of the ways that you know, that you know, that you know that you're a passionate warrior is when you walk in this house, the zeal of the house of God has a way of just eating you up. Can I tell you, you might not be able to do it someplace, but you can clap your hands in this house. You can lift your hands in this house. You can say hallelujah in this house. Come on, let the zeal of the house of the Lord eat you up and let you understand that this is a place that God dwells in. Please be seated. Jesus said, I am here that they might have life and more abundant life. I'm here to reveal the love of my Father. I'm here to turn them because my Father is seeking true worshipers and it just consumes me. I want somebody to be a worshiper of the Father in spirit and in truth. I'm talking about passive. I'm talking about abusive. No, Jesus didn't use passive talk in the temple that day. He said, okay, this is a problem. Disciples, write this down. Note this, it's a problem. I hope somebody does something about it one day. It's a problem. we got a problem here. Maybe we'll take it before committee. Put it on my to-do list, Peter. Maybe we'll take care of it before the end of the month. No, he didn't do that. And he didn't abusive talk either. He didn't say, I'm going to come in here and shoot everybody. I'm going to destroy everything in this house. He handled it in appropriate passion because he was a passionate Savior. Do you believe he's passionate about you? Do you think he was passionate when he went to the cross and died for you? Do you think, oh, somebody help me right now. He was passionate. He really was. I wrote this, and I want to put it on the screen, and it may be too much for you, but until you find a cause which you're willing to die for, you'll never truly live. Until you find a cause that you're truly willing to die for, you'll never truly live. The passionate warrior, what will your cause be? What will your cause be? So there's two things, and I'm going to close. Wow, I'm fixing to preach, so. Just thought I'd, I thought I'd warn you, I'm fixing to preach. The passionate warrior always has someone to protect. Look at your little wife sitting there. Look at your little husband sitting there and say, protect me, big boy. <laughs> Living for oneself brings no fulfillment. But living for the King of kings and the Lord of lords, you're living to protect those around you. I love the story of Nehemiah. Anybody ever read the book of Nehemiah? Raise your hand. The book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a tough dude. He's a tough dude. He was building a wall one day, and he said, hey, you keep, you keep fussing at me. I'm going to come down and pluck the hair out of your head. I love a man with that kind of passion. He said, I lo- he said, I'm going to come down and wear you out. It doesn't matter who you are. It don't matter if you're saying ballot, told by. I don't care what rank you have. We're building something for God here, and you're not going to fuss against it. And you're not going to rail against it. I love guys with that kind of passion. But he, he went to the people of God because the walls were down, and the people were exposed. And when the enemy sees your children exposed, your family exposed, the church exposed, he's not going to stay outside. He's going to walk in. He's going to walk in because he wants to cause havoc on everybody's family. He wants to cause havoc in your life. He wants to cause havoc in my life. He's a havoc causer. <laughs> That's a good name for him. He just wants to cause havoc. He wants to bring confusion. He wants to bring doubt. He wants to bring fear. He wants to make you think you can't get there from here. He is a liar and the father of all lies. Now, so how did Nehemiah rally the men to build the walls back? 
He didn't say, guys, I've got a career opportunity for you that would really, really be good. In fact, if you're unemployed right now, but I guarantee you I will pay you $12 an hour. And if you're good, I'll give you 13 by the end of the week. And if you're really, really good, you can have a place in middle management in about a month or two. And I'll give you even more benefits. And think about it, guys. You can make enough money so you can go buy that new chariot you've always wanted. He didn't do that. He didn't do that. But he looked at them and he said, guys, we've got exposure in our families. You've got families that are exposed to the enemies. I've got families that are exposed to the enemy. And we're not going to expose our families any longer. And in Nehemiah 4 and 14, he said this, and I'm going to read it like Nehemiah probably said it. Men, we are going to build a wall. I love that. Don't be afraid of them, your enemies. Remember the Lord who is great and who is awesome. And gentlemen, we're in for a fight. But we're going to fight for our brothers. We're going to fight for your sons. We're going to fight for your daughters. We're going to fight for your wives. And we're going to fight for your homes. And everybody in the whole group said, I'm in. I wonder if I get that from our men right now. I'm in. I'm going to fight for my home. I'm going to fight for my daughters. I'm going to fight for my sons. I'm going to fight for the church. I'm going to fight for a cause. I'm in. I am in. I just love a good fight. Those men were saying, I just love a good fight. Don't worry about paying us 12 bucks an hour. Baby, I'm here. You name the time. You name the place. I'm going to show up. And the Bible said in the very next verse, from that time, half of the men built and half of them protected. They had shields. They had spears. They had bows. They had armor. Now, some of you might say, Pastor, I'm not even married. No, but you sure would like to be, wouldn't you? Because everybody thinks that marriage is the ultimate joy. It is when you find the ultimate partner. (laughs) Oh, I'm getting nasty right now. I better hush. I don't have any kids. What about me? Well, okay, let me give you some people you might be able to help. How about your mama that's perhaps old and she needs your help? How about a dad that might be uh, invalid or invalid? What about him? What about somebody that... What about an older person in the church that just needs help to a car that might need a visit sometime? Or what about about that little old kid about 14 years old that's always kicking a can because he don't have a ball to kick down the street? Does your heart ever go out to somebody like that? What about that little old boy? What about that 14-year-old kid that's got the neatest freckles you've ever seen in your life and you wished he was your kid? And you know what? He could be your little brother because all he needs is somebody to step into his world and say, I'm going to be here for you, son. Or what about the woman at the office? Not because you're trying to get with her, but because she has four children. And those children need a big brother. They need somebody to be there for them. What about that woman? What about her? Hey, we're talking about pure Christianity here. We're talking about pure religion and undefiled. Hallelujah. We're talking about loving the orphans and taking care of the widows. We're talking about being real stand-up people and having a passion about it. We're going to protect somebody. I had a little old four-year-old boy. You know my story. He was taken when he was four years old. But one night at church, a little old six-year-old kid was chasing my little six-year-old daughter. My little six-year-old daughter was kind of crying about it. I didn't even know about it. And my four-year-old took on the six-year-old and knocked him and pinned him. He was, <laughs> he was four years old and already had a warrior heart. 
God he'd be a bad dude if he's around here right now. He's going to be a big one. He, and so I, I, I pulled him off and I was fixing to spank him because he's a pastor's kid. Pastor's kids don't need to be whipping the saints' kids. And I pulled him off to him in the office. He said, Daddy, he was chasing Misty. And I said, stop. And Daddy, I stopped him. When I pulled him off, he was saying, say, calf rope and I'll let you up. Say, calf rope and I'll let you up. I got a pastor friend in Houston. <laughs> when he was a little old boy, he had a big sister that was a tom girl, a tomboy, whatever you want to call her. And the bully down the street was picking on her brother. And she decided that was enough one day. So she just got a stick in her hand and whacked that old boy one time. He started running. She chased him all the way to his house. She chased him all the way to his house. I love that scripture in the Bible. Don't let it be said a woman destroyed me. She went... <laughs> She went to the door, knocked on the door, and the parents came and said, I want your son out here. I'm going to whip him. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's time to fight. I'm not saying that. But something's got to rise up in us. There's got to be a protection inside of us that says, you know what? I'm going to take care of my house. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You get up, you hear a noise in the middle of the night, and you get up in your tidy whities. You know what I mean. And you're walking around the house, and you got your kung fu going, and... You know what I'm saying? And if something come around that corner, you'd say, oh, Jesus, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> you got that kung fu look, you know, and you're waiting, and you're looking for somebody to come out around a corner because you're going to knock the fire out of him. I remember when I, my, my, my little old girls were small. They'd always want, they wanted mama to pray with them. And, of course, we both prayed, but, but they wanted me to check the closets and under the bed. So I would check the closets because, you know, monsters were in the closets and Boogeyman was under the bed, you know. Now, we didn't teach that. They just heard that. It's probably your, your, your kids, the saints. <laughs> Lord, cut that off the tape, please. <laughs> but, you know, if you shut that closet door, the monsters couldn't get out. If you left it cracked, they could slip out. And then they'd want me to check under the bed, and I'd have to wipe my hands like this, and there's nothing under the bed, kids. But then I'd leave. I'd say, now, don't, don't hang your arms down off the bed because <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. <laughs> Please forgive me. I, I, had, I had a little meanness in me from time to time. But I promise you they slept with their arms in the bed. But it's just, it's just, the, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. Now, uh, l- l- let me say something here. Many of you, when you think about someone that you love, how many of you would honestly, honestly say, I'd be willing to die to protect them? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All right? Put your hands down. It's the warrior in you. You would, in a heartbeat, give your life to protect those you love. But men, I believe God calls us to even something greater and something that is more challenging because, honestly, to give your life one time just takes a moment. And it may hurt a little bit, but it's going to be over and you're going to be with the Lord. And I believe that God's calling you to something even greater and something more difficult. And that would be not just to give your life one time and die for someone, but to live for someone every day of your life. Okay, guys. You got this beautiful call of protecting your bride. Oh, and it's not just physically. I would protect Patty. Patty would never have to take the bullet that might have been intended for her if I was there. I promise that. I promise that. 
if I was ever in a car and it looked like we was going to have a collision, I would steer the car to where I would take the brunt because I would not want my wife to ever die because of my driving. I believe that I would do that. And so by your actions, man of God, what you do is, it's not just protecting her physically. It's not just protecting your kids physically. It's protecting them emotionally and protecting them spiritually. And understanding that there are some things that men we just don't do. You know, I would never, I, I never have. In all the years I've been married to Patty, I've never had, she's never had to worry about me having someone else. My affection's never been anywhere else. She's never had to worry about me going into a room and watching something that would stir up my emotions for sex. She's never had that in her life. Because I don't want her to think that I'm not protecting her. She's the most valuable thing that God has ever given to me. Do you understand that, man? you understand that? So it's not just protecting them physically. It's, it's protecting their emotion. And the more you protect their emotion, the more you protect their spirit, the more vulnerable that women become. And they say, wow, I got me a man. Keep your hands off my man, honey. I got me one. Can I preach a little bit right now? You mind? You mind if I preach a little? Your kids don't need just to be protected physically and say, my daddy can whoop your daddy. It's not about that. It's about dad putting your arm around that son and say, boy, you matter. It's about hugging those girls up. Oh, if you think boys are precious, you ought to have some girls. Wow. Girls are awesome. And my girls love me. My girls love me. And even now, they can get whatever they want out of me, and it bugs me. But I've protected them emotionally. I protected them spiritually. I wanted them to know that I would stand in the gap. I would pray all night long if it was necessary. I would battle the beast of Ephesus if it was necessary. I'd wrestle every demon in hell if it was necessary. Because I want my kids to know their dad is a warrior. And I am passionate about my family and my wife and my kids making it because they are important to me. They matter to me. Come on, Dad. We need some warriors in this house. We need some warriors in this house. We need some men that will be passionate, not passive, not abusive, but passionate about the kingdom of God. Samuel said it this way, be strong and let us fight bravely for the people and for the cities of our God. And I close with this and I've got to close. I've got three minutes. Boy, aren't you glad you got a pastor that obeys the time. Isn't that neat? There's some guy just be getting started right now. That's why you don't go to their church. Because we got to beat all them Baptists and Methodists and all them Presbyterians and all them people to the lunchroom. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Number two, the passionate warrior has a kingdom to advance. Everybody say God's kingdom must be advanced. Matthew 11 and 12 says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Everybody say forcefully, forcefully. advancing. What kind of men advance it? Forceful men. Men with a cause. Men, hear me. You're a kingdom builder. It's in you. We are builders. We're bottom line kind of men. Everybody is. That's, that's who we are. My wife throws something at me and she's done it at night and I want to answer it right then. And she said, baby, I don't need an answer right now. I just want to share my day with you. And I want to fix it. And I stay up two hours trying to fix that situation that she's thrown on me because we are builders. We build. But I want to ask you a question. Whose kingdom are you building, yours or God's? That's really the question. 
Are you building your kingdom or are you building God's kingdom? That's really the question, you know? And I'm not trying to aggravate you. I'm just trying to preach a gospel to you. Whose kingdom are you building? It's imperative that you understand. Alan Redpath, a great writer, said, Before we can pray, Lord, your kingdom come, we must be willing to pray, My kingdom go. I feel like John Baptist here today because when Jesus came, he said, I must decrease and he must increase. And I will tell you this. I have died out to this God that I serve every, every week for the last 24 years. I've died out to that God. I've died out to him because every week I say, especially when we have trouble, Lord, that's your church. That's your church, Lord. I had a man come up to me when I was pastoring in Dallas and I was in my 20s and had a little old church that had 15 people in it. When I took it, nobody else wanted it, so that I got it by default. And we had grown to about 400 people in the first four or five years. This home Bible study, just winning souls one at a time, and we'd won a lot of people to God. And a man walked up to me, and he stood here, and I didn't realize at the time, but he had such sin in his life. He was living horrible, horrible, sin, uh, uh, sin-filled life, adultery and fornication and all kinds of things. Just all kinds of stuff, just ugly stuff. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? He said, God will never bless this church because you're building it for your name and not his name. And I looked back at him, tears hit my eyes and I flooded my cheeks and I said, sir, if you think that, if you think that, I'm so sorry. And I will tell this congregation here today, if the Lord took me out tomorrow, which I hope he doesn't, daddy lived 85, I want at least that deal. Mama lived 88. I'll, I'll take hers over daddy's. She had a good mind when she passed away. She's still fussing at me the day before she died. She had a good mind. But it's not about my kingdom. Come on. This is God's church. This is God's church. And I think, I think one of the reasons, I think one of the reasons that we've seen phenomenal exponential growth and our church is full every service on Sunday just like this because people understand that we're not building the Johnson kingdom here we're building the kingdom of the Lord here it's about him it's about him it's about him so I refuse to get passive I refuse to get abusive I am going to be passionate and I close today with this beautiful scripture from the book of Joel I want you to hear it say to the nations far and wide get ready for war Get ready. Call out your best warriors. Let all your men advance for the attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Train even your weaklings to be warriors. Come on, let the weak say, I'm strong. Say, I'm strong. Come quickly, all you nations everywhere. Gather together in the valley. And now, O Lord, call out your warriors. The Bible in one place said, I will whistle and they will come. Can I tell you God's calling for warriors today? God's calling for men that won't be passive, that won't be abusive, but that'll be passionate in the kingdom of God. Is there any warriors in the house? 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 Oh, I feel a passion in this house. Is there any warriors in this house? Diddy, I wrote, I'm a warrior in the army of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is my commanding officer. The Bible is my code of conduct. Faith, prayer, and the word are the weapons of my warfare. 
I've been taught by the Holy Spirit, trained by experience, tried by adversity, tested by fire. But I am a warrior. I'm in a place saluting my king, obeying his orders, praising his name, and building his kingdom. I cannot be discouraged enough to turn me aside. I cannot lose enough to cause me to quit. Demons cannot defeat me. People cannot disillusion me. Battles cannot beat me. Money cannot buy me. Governments cannot silence me. And hell cannot handle me. For I am a warrior. Even death cannot destroy me. God is looking for a man who will put up a wall to protect his family who will stand in the gap against the evil one a man of courage a man of boldness a man of faith and a man of integrity say it with me I will be that man say it I will be that man say it I will be that man now say because I'm a warrior I'm a warrior I'm a warrior I'm a warrior. Clap your hands all over this house right now. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening. And for more information, please visit clcaustin.com.